welcome everyone to phone show chat podcast seven eight three recording this on saturday the 6th of january 2024 get the year right uh, i am steve litchfield in reading up in north wales i've got ted salmon hello everyone greetings once again from up here and our special guest is mike robin now mike you were last on i can't believe it three and a half years ago so remind people where, where you are in the world what age and what you do that sort of stuff well uh Happy 2024 to everyone. Um, yeah, good to be here again. Uh, as you say, it was 2020, I was there, but I really haven't done a lot phone-wise since those um, since our last chat. But for those who don't know me, um, I'm like Steve. I have a physics degree, got <laughs> many, many years ago. <laughs> um, did a few years, um, about 10 years in oil exploration um, off the coast of uh, North Sea and other countries like Africa and Scandinavia. Uh, then I worked for BAE Systems for about 10 years as a flight test instrumentation engineer on Harrier jump jets, helping kit out the instrumentation. Wow. Yeah, very good. Um, very good fun. Uh, even got to go on the the um, aircraft carriers, Invincible, Ark Royal and Illustrious. Spent Ooh. a few uh, weeks on those. Which years was this? Well, what time scale are we talking Ooh, about? Goodness. Um, yeah, <laughs> ancient history. From 88 to 2001, and I guess the aircraft carriers were kind of um, 93, 95, and 99, I think, something yeah, like that. I think I must be older than you then, because I was, I was working for BAE and going on nuclear submarines and stuff, sort of around about 87, 88. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a few years before. Right. Uh, I won't ask how old you are then, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm be older 62, than yeah. <laughs> Um, and after British Aerospace, um, I moved to working for a company called Talus, which is T-H-A-L-E-S, who um, make full flight simulators for both the military and civil aviation. So I was um, building um, uh, airline simulators, things like A320, A330, A340 simulators for airlines like um, Qantas and British Airways and a few other ones. So I did that for about 11 years. And that was, again, very entertaining and a few trips abroad with it. So um, enjoyed that a lot, and then unfortunately made redundant in 2016. And uh, now I'm a sort of self-employed um, sole trader, uh, who I title myself as um, uh, IT consultant, which essentially means I go around and help people with their computers. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, I, I got an advert in the local, well, I guess up on websites and in a few local news agents saying, I'll look after your computer and I'll take away viruses and sort it all out for you. And to my knowledge, I've not had one single bite from any of that. Or I do a similar sort of thing, helping people with their IT, um, Mike. But in every case, it's been friendly recommendation from one person to another in their network rather than any kind of publicity. How, uh, how do people find out from, from their other contacts for you? Well, I work mostly for the um, about five church congregations because that's the church I go to. And then they sort of grab me in on a regular basis whenever they have an IT issue. All oh, right. Or, or they want to do something IT. But on top of that, I do get a few recommendations coming out of people who know me. But like you, I find that there's so many other people doing similar work that yeah. <laughs> you, you generally don't get called upon unless people know you. Yeah, I have a certain demographic, and it's sort of 75 to 85-year-olds, and I somehow I've carved out a niche of serving the, the, the long-retired people who are just – grateful for someone to come round and give them an hour of their time answering 50 of their it questions and it's fine they're, they're usually easy enough to solve 
Uh, and, they, and they're not short of money, so I can charge a normal rate, which is good. Yeah, I think that's it. I deal with quite a lot of the older generation, yeah, older than me, so they must be old. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and they are very grateful for the time and effort you yeah, put in. Yeah. And um, I find that if I undercharge them, they're very happy to, to make up. You know, they'll say, oh, that's not enough, and they'll give me even more. So yeah. so it, it's very it's it's rewarding. I wouldn't think I'd make a living out of it, really, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. before with, we come to your smartphone stuff, where can people find you online? Oh, maybe, of course. <laughs> <laughs> jolly good, jolly good. Um, so last time you were on, you did come through some of your ancient backstory, including Scions, yay, um, palm organisers and the early Symbian devices. But sort of what have you been doing in the last, say, three or four years? You were on, say, early 2020, so you've got three and a half years to catch us up on. Mm, well, I went basically because I wasn't particularly financially well off. I ended up on a Xiaomi Redmi Note 3. Um and then from there, I went to a Xiaomi Redmi Note 5, which are you get a lot of bang for your buck, basically, yeah. with Xiaomi. But um, uh, after this, the Redmi Note 5 decided to die, I thought, well, I must try a stylus uh, m- mobile again because I'd used the Note 2 many, many years ago and loved it. So I thought, well, I'm going to get myself um, a phone-sized phone with a stylus, and that came down to basically Samsung Galaxy Note 10 which is what I've been rocking for the last three years. Okay, Note 10. So three years, it must still be just about in support? Getting uh, quarterly security updates, yeah. Yeah, does that bother you, the fact that you're not getting monthly and uh, you're presumably in the last year? No, not at all. Um, It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think I'm technically sufficiently aware to avoid downloading uh, stuff that might be um, full of malware. So I don't just download anything. Like most of us who listen to this podcast, we have our set of utilities, set of applications that we just use from one phone to the next. And uh, so I use the regular first stuff, and I don't go dabbling in stuff really at all. So so long as the Play Store is being updated, I'm fairly confident that I'm okay. Yeah, in the notes you mentioned that it's uh, you like the small size, but of course Galaxy Note 10 was quite a large phone three and a half years ago. It's just <laughs> times have changed. Yeah, although it's um, you've got the Note 10 and the Note 10 Plus and the Note 10 Ultra, I think, right, um, and I've okay. got the the smaller one, okay. which is um, I suppose I could grab a ruler, but I think it's about six inches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's the smallest of the lot, um, and I wanted a stylus to just see if I could get back into using a stylus on a regular basis. And do you use it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I could have predicted that response, yeah. It's really crazy, isn't it? I thought, I really want a stylus. I'm willing to pay a bit more to get a stylus. And I went out and searched it out, bought it secondhand, but only about a year old, and um, forced myself to use the stylus for six months and then realised I just wasn't into using it that much. So for my use case... I've decided I don't really need a stylus. A very you look at these, story, yeah. When you look at these um, YouTube videos of people demonstrating what can be done with the S Pen, um, particularly with Samsung devices, obviously, um, you think to yourself, oh, yeah, that looks great, that looks super. But when you boil it down to what it really is, it's all kind of fun stuff that you would just do once to show people or once to play around with, and you'd never do it again. And I'm sure that's why... Most people like us, obviously us three, um, like the idea of it. It feels very kind of PDA-ish and very old-fashioned almost. But actually, 
we're not going to do all those things like cutting and pasting and making gifts to send to friends and you know all those things that, that, that the S Pen's capable of. It's really odd. Well, I think. I mean, I had a Palm 5 and a Palm Tungsten T, so I loved the stylus in those because it was almost mm. essential. Um, but I think the technology and the software has moved on so much that I do cut and pasting without having to lift the stylus up because Android now will automatically f- cut and paste pretty effectively. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than it used to be. Um, uh-huh. uh, drawing, well, I, if I'm going to do drawing or annotating i generally end up doing it on a computer so like you say although it's got tons and tons of features and yeah. occasionally i force myself to try and use those features <laughs> yeah. i really i think you know i've got it i should use it yeah and then i realize that i'm just not um it doesn't get into my workflow if i'm going to do something artistic then i'm going to get to use a computer if i'm going to do something creative i'm probably going to use a computer or a tablet um, and as far as annotation goes, I just prefer to type in, on a keyboard rather than trying to use a mobile phone. Indeed. We're all old-fashioned. <laughs> afraid so. My nephew swears by the stylus in his Samsung, and I forget which one he's got now. But um, when I next see him, I must say, what do you mean by swears by? Do you mean you use it once a day or 10 times a day or once a month? I'll try and dig down to the bottom of that. I, when I had a device with a stylus, I would use it once a week but is once a week ted is, is that enough to justify having it i guess it might be oh it depends really doesn't it I, if you've got it there and it's in a silo and it's tucked away i suppose you could argue yeah. you might as you might as well have it really um as not because that one time a month that you want to use it but to me the only times i use it is when i'm watching a youtube video and seeing what other people are doing with it and i say oh well have a go at that and i get it out and I have a go at it and say, oh, yeah, that works nicely. But <laughs> as you say, Mike, working it into some meaningful activity or workflow into what people do, I don't know, I suppose most people must use them or they wouldn't keep doing it, would they? I guess it's great to have the choice because we're all different. We work differently. Our computers are lined up differently. Our mobiles are different. So I'm sure there are people who will get a great deal of use out of a stylus. I just thought I must try it. And I've discovered that I just it doesn't fit my workflow. That doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. It means that for me in particular, it's probably not worth having a stylus. I tell you when it was good was when I used to have a Windows mobile um, phone or PDA, and then the screens were so small that it was really really useful because you could pick around yeah. with the end of the stylus and hit targets much better. But I think you're right. As phones have got bigger and bigger and bigger, you that use has kind of gone out the window to some degree as well. Um, some people might use it for things like magnifying parts of the screen. Fair enough. But maybe people with not such good eyesight, that could be useful. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, we, we discuss this time and again and conclude that it's probably not for us, but it, it must be for someone. I, I, I am an hour about it because I, I was having problems on various phones selecting sex the other day with my fat thumb, and I thought, Goodness me, this is fiddly. If I had a stylus, I could do this really accurately. So, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't say no to a stylus in the phone. It's just that I wouldn't seek it out as a bullet point feature. Well, I guess the um, S23 Ultra and S24 Ultra will be the good phones for people like you, Steve, because um, A, they can fit in a holster, <laughs> and B, they have a built-in stylus. 
Everything can fit in a holster, Mike. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, are you a holster man? That you, I'm sounding no. optimistic. No, okay. Sorry, sadly, no. no. <laughs> Even my fashion sense isn't that bad. Wow. Well, yes, I, I really am a dinosaur. You did do mention the notes headphone jacks. What's your rant here? Oh, it's just um, again. I haven't got the note. 10 is the first phone i've had without a headphone jack and i thought to myself well i can manage um because this is the first phone i've had without expandable memory card slot or a headphone jack and i thought well it won't be a problem but i have found that i have missed not having a headphone jack socket headphone socket because um there are occasions in the work i do and the church i go to where being able to plug in a jack plug straight into the phone would be really useful yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in a band, and I, this sounds rather grand, it wasn't much of a band, but when I was in a band a decade ago, I, having a headphone jack on my phone was absolutely essential. And at the time, I was using, I guess, the Nokia N series devices, and uh, it was a, a real, real boon and a pretty high quality output. And talking of all of that, you, you're kind of looking ahead to your next device. In the show notes, you put a few uh, shortlist entries, of which I think two have headphone jacks, which might suit you. Well, yeah, I mean, I was thinking I need a smaller phone. I'd like a smaller phone. Let's, let's be reasonable. I sort of, so I thought, well, what can I get? And probably in this coming year, I'm going to get another phone. So um, I was looking at the Asus Zenfone 9 or the later 10 or possibly the Sony Xperia 5 4 or Sony Xperia 5 5. But um, I must admit, I'm uh, not flush with funds. Uh, not, not uh, so... Uh, I tend to look for a phone that's been out a year or two, which is uh, when the second-hand price has come to a quite yeah. a reasonable amount. So so the Asus Zenfone 9 was um, definitely high up on my hit list because it's nice size, it's got a headphone jack, and it's got the side-mounted fingerprint reader, which I much prefer to an under-glass reader. Yeah, yeah. And as if by magic, <laughs> you now have it. Well, not quite, <laughs> but it's coming. Mm. Yes, Ted. <laughs> Having put that into the show notes, up you popped Ted and said, well, here's mine. <laughs> so I uh, bit your arm off before you could say no. Well, um, to be fair, I, I need to just uh, do a quick nod to Adrian Brain, who let me have this at a really good price. And I'm sure he won't mind if I sell it on to you at the same price, um, because I'm sure it will get much more use with you than me. I did like it a lot. But I, one of the things that really annoyed me was the um, lack of Qi charging, which I keep coming back to. Um, and I, I found I found that I wasn't really using it. One of the re, one of the primary reasons be, being that. Um, but it's a lovely little phone. It's a dinky little phone, and I'm sure you'll have lots of fun with it. Mm. Well, I went on eBay to look at um, secondhand Asus Zenfone nines to see, you know, if I could pick one up for a good price. And by golly, there aren't any available. <laughs> or if they are available, they're brand new and sort of a bit beyond my budget. Yeah. So I don't know whether that indicates that they're very popular and people aren't selling them on. Um, so when you said you were selling, or thinking of selling yours, that was um, just a, just the right thing. <laughs> Golden opportunity. <laughs> Ted's also got the Xperia 5 Mark IV, which is also on your short list. Like, I'm guessing mm. either that you're not particularly keen on what Sony doing software or that was just a bit too expensive? Um, it, I looked at the battery capacities, to be honest, okay. um, because... Um, I know Marcus um, MKBHD has said the Zenfone 9 has a very good battery life. Um, so I was keen to have something that didn't need a recharge during the day um, because 
when it comes to qi qi charging, qi charging, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think it's a great idea, but I don't want to have to rely on it. I want a phone that will go through the whole day without me having to hunt down a charger. Yeah. So, um, so I thought the Zenfone Nine is probably the preferable one. Uh, it's slightly smaller, I think, than the Mark Four, Mark Five, Mark Four. Yeah, it's, it's less tall, certainly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I was, must admit I was in a quandary. Um, I would have taken either, really. <laughs> and it, by strange coincidence, the third on your short list is also a device that Ted's got on his desk at the moment, so which reveal what that is. Oh, no, is. no, I haven't. No, no, oh, no? I haven't. Okay. That went back to PR, didn't it? Okay, mm. Tell us, reveal the name anyway, Mike. Oh, well, the Samsung Galaxy S23, the normal one, as opposed yeah, to the yeah, Plus or Ultra, yeah, yeah. which, again, I think Ted had described in previous podcasts and he'd given it such a glowing report that i felt yeah and it's the right size again so i would have um used that uh, but again the battery capacity of the samsung phones is generally less than that of um competitors so i tend to worry a little bit about whether they're going to make it through the day i had no complaints at all with the s23 um just mm-hmm. to jump in there um yeah. i thought the 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 snapdragon chips that um, instead of the Exynos, made it hugely different from the S22, and it had a really, really good battery. But I think all three of those, in my experience, and I spent quite a bit of time with the other two, not so much time with the Zen phone, but the other two, certainly, I think both of those have got stonkingly good batteries based on my testing and my brief testing on the Zen phone 9. I'd say much the same. Mm-hmm. That's good news for me. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at uh, the S24, which is um, being launched to Samsung Unpacked, by the way, date for everyone's diary. I think it's happening. It's the 17th of January, and it starts at 6 p.m. UK time. Obviously, the S24, S24 Plus, S24 Ultra. And the kind of rumour, Ted, and it seems to be an informed rumour, is that they're going back to Exynos chips for the for, for most, of, most of Europe, which is, again, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the S22 range with Exynos being a real turkey, but the S23 range with Qualcomm being good. So maybe we're go, exactly. going back to the uh, the worst. Exactly what I was just saying to, to Mike, really. Um, yeah. And it, it's such a huge difference. Well, it, it was to me. I, I had the S23 and the S23 Ultra, the S22 Ultra and the S22, and I could see very clearly. Yeah. But... What Samsung are claiming is that they have worked very hard on the Exynos chipset to make it not so. So we shall see, won't we? <laughs> yeah. I think as a company, they've they've got to push the Exynos chip because just selling it alone to um, Google is not enough to have a production line running. So I can see them continuing to push forward with that chip. And... Uh, I, I doubt whether it will be as good as the Qualcomm, to be honest. Yeah, but most things, most of these things can be fixed and optimised in software. So who knows? Let's not prejudge it. Maybe they, maybe it's okay this year. Um, in terms of operating systems, you haven't mentioned iPhones yet. Uh, have you had much experience with iOS? Uh, I support uh, a few people from um, the local church congregations who use iOS on phones and also on iPads. So I have a little experience, um, but it's one of those things that when I come to them, I always have to remind myself what to do. But uh, so I don't hate them. They're fine. I I just um, don't usually use them. Yeah, I mentioned that because I'm having a real hate relationship with iOS today, Ted. I mean, you'll be glad that you're kind of anti-Apple, but my (laughs) iPhone lost 60 percent of its battery in four hours with with me not using it at all this afternoon. I was furious with it. So I did a restart and I've done various 
optimizations, but basically it's on it's on notice because if it carries on like this, it's going to really annoy me, and it won't now synchronize with my Mac, so my music library won't sync across. It just hangs there with the progress bar not going anywhere, and I can't bear the thought of rebuilding everything. But uh, anyway, a, a, an ongoing story with um, me and iOS. I've I've kind of endured ios for the the love of the apple hardware but that just might 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 be coming to an end and i'm i'm looking at all the other phones on my desk right now Ted, which would delight yeah. you enormously well I, I each to their own i for me personally as you know i i can't stand the whole apple thing and the iphone thing but i you know people love it and they sell huge amounts of them and you've loved it as well and you can't knock that so you know i think we've just got to kind of I've got to agree to kind of just differ with with Apple fans and um, go our own way and enjoy what we like. Yeah, well, I've said many times that I I use the iPhone because it basically works and does everything I need to, um, but I have more fun on Android. So if the iPhone stops working and doing everything I need to, then I need to (laughs) just do some serious rethinking at this end. But, you know, more to come during 2024, which could be an interesting year. Um, We ask guests if they've got any favourite apps they want to bring to our attention. I know in in the list you've supplied... I mean, not just one app, you've done about 10. So do you want to just highlight perhaps the ones that I've emboldened and and take those away? Okay. Uh, before I nip over to those, just um, are you on iOS able to review which app is using up all your power? I am, but it's a very unreliable, reliable thing. I will go there now that out of pure interest. Uh, there we are. Mm. Um, going to battery. Um, it's a live iOS um, 17.2.1, and it says that, the biggest use of my podcast of my battery is podcasts and YouTube. And as this afternoon, I wasn't listening to podcasts and I wasn't watching YouTube for more than a few minutes. I cannot see where 60% of my battery went. All I know <laughs> is that the phone was warm and that's bad sign when an unused phone for four hours it is warm, whether it's Android or iOS or Windows phone or wherever. So, uh, yeah, investigations ongoing. Now, that definitely means something is running wild in the background, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but the yeah. trouble is you don't know what. So, yes. Yeah, well, the fix is obviously to re- restart the phone, which I have now done, and it's now cool again. But if uh, yeah, if, if it happens again, I've really got to find out what the heck is going on. But anyway, do take it away. There's one called WeWow, W-E-A-W-O-W, which is a weather app, which is um, very comprehensive um, and uh, very nicely, graphically, uh, very nice to look at. And uh, allows you to tailor the widget remarkably, so you can do a ton of tailoring uh, to make it look and behave how you want it to behave. So I'm really impressed with that. Completely free, although they do um, suggest a donation at some point, but completely free and very little nags at all. Um, so I find that very good. And the one sort of hidden feature is it allows you, it allows itself to get its weather from Dark Sky Apple. Uh-huh. which is quite a clever thing to do yeah. nowadays. As you know, Dark Sky was renowned for having a very good um, local weather forecasting, and then Apple bought them, and then the API was discontinued, so people couldn't use it. But it would appear that this particular app still is using an API to access Dark Sky weather. Mm. So uh, I don't know how long that will go on for, but yeah, hopefully for a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Apple won't listen to this podcast. Maybe. Sure they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, other apps. Uh, there's an app called Friendly, which is um, a social media uh, app. It essentially, allows you to act, put all your um, social media accounts onto one app, like uh, Instagram and Twitter and 
uh, Facebook. And that's quite nice because it has more features than some of the native apps. And again, I liked it so much. I thought, well, I'm going to give buy this, get the proper pro version. And so I did that. Does that work by scraping all the different mobile websites for each for each system and then uh, assembling the content? I think what it does is it logs you into those apps via the front end that it provides you with. So you are providing your um, your uh, login details to this app, but it stays on your phone as far as I can tell. Okay. Um, obviously, I don't post anything on social media that i don't mind the whole world knowing if you like so yeah, yeah. to me it's not a big deal that um yeah. i'm putting my credentials on this and it's behaved itself over the five years i've had it so i'm quite happy with it did you say it works with me we as well actually i don't think it does yeah i thought we, mind you, you you i'd be hard pressed i don't think it even knows what me we is no one knows <laughs> what me we is apart from our wonderful com- community here on pse <laughs> But that's a good thing, if you like, because we're unlikely to sort of get yeah. flooded with other sorts of things. Yeah. So that's quite a good idea. New pipe, N-E-W-P-I-P-E, which is a great way of um, downloading YouTube videos and YouTube music for offline listening. You can install it and you can either use it directly as an app or you can um, go onto YouTube, press the share button and share a video or your music to the new pipe app and download it. So, again, this is one that's uh, <laughs> limited life probably, but it's a really lovely app because it doesn't get in the way. It doesn't nag you. It just gets on and does the stuff. And when they change the YouTube uh, APIs, new pipe usually catches up within a day or two. So um, <laughs> so it, it, it works really well, um, and it saves a lot of advert watching, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next one? Uh O-S-M-A-N-D. So it's a mapping tool. Yeah, which I've is used this, source. but carry on. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I love this tool because it's great for walking, but it also does driving and map routing. But I generally use it because it downloads open source maps to your phone and you can take the whole world if you've got enough memory space. Um, I usually just have the countries that I'm in at the time. And you can add overlays, uh, cycling, walking and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just nice for offline mapping so that if you're out somewhere like <laughs> in the southwest or somewhere like that or up in some hills somewhere and you haven't got signal, you've still got a perfectly good map downloaded to your phone, tracking you via GPS and providing lots of functionality. Yeah. It's a really great app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the uh, um, open street map style things because they have all the different footpaths. So it's not just driving on roads. When it, especially now we've acquired a dog, cough, cough. Um, and knowing all the different alleyways and cut-throughs and footpaths with these uh, the, the open-source maps have been a great boon. Yeah, that's why I got got into it, was because I wanted walking routes, and yeah, yeah. Um, Google at the time wasn't really up for walking routes. So this was great because it's filled in by people, open-source, yeah. and you as people add more routes to it, you can just upload them and put them on your phone. Okay, the next one looks really interesting. Uh, it's called Audio Tool. I do uh, I do PA at one of the churches I go to, and I'm the sort of sound man and look after the PA systems. And frequently there's sound things, sound issues to look at. So feed this this basically will analyse the sound that it's hearing through the phone microphones, configurable to which microphones you're using, and will allow you to do um, analysis of say feedback frequencies, particular frequencies. 
Uh, and also you can do a sound generator so it'll generate white noise and pink noise and stuff like that. So it's very useful for sound engineers. Okay. Uh, super backup. What's this? <laughs> I think, Ted, did you use super backup? No, um, SMS backup and restore. Okay, it's pretty much the same as Ted's SMS backup and restore. It does the same thing. Backs up your contacts, apps, SMS. Will even back up the apps that you've got installed so that if you want to make sure that the current app you've got, the current version of the current app, you can actually back up that particular version to um, memory or, or off to, to your computer and have that available so that if, for instance, an app gets updated and is worse, you can go back to the older app. What about call logs? Uh, it does SMS, yeah. Um, no, 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 phone calls. Phone oh, yes, it does. It says there's a picture here that says call logs, so I yeah. guess it does, yeah. It seems to do everything. Um, I think I once used uh, SMS backup once, and then when I was looking again to do reinstall, I used super backup, and I found it. it's enough for what I want to do, which is mostly the SMS backups. And you back it up to Google Drive? Yep. Right. Okay, yeah, that does look quite good, actually, yeah. So when you get the Zen phone, you will just run this after doing a backup on the old Samsung, and everything will just come back, including your backlog of years of SMS. Yeah, though my, I use Google SMS, Google messaging, I should say, for yeah. my SMSs. So, in fact, Google tends to remember it anyway. Yes, I, it does now. So, Ted, how far back does the Google um, messages client keep its its server side list of your messages? Can't be years, surely. That's a good that's a good question because um, whenever I've used it, it's done the whole lot. Like you know, my twenty five thousand backlog of um, SMS. So I'm guessing it's okay. everything that is that is, that is there. Um, whether recently um, it's changed that and they've started streamlining, I don't know. But so why yeah, do you need SMS backup utility if Google Messages now does this as well? Because it does call logs as well, um, and it does it to Google Drive and saves it as a uh, as a as a file that you can then keep and read as real text which means you can keep long-term backups and not rely on google to to have their tool to get it open again later on to see what's in there what i should do really though is cut it now i've got backups i don't need twenty-five thousand. let's drop drop it down to five thousand because i've got the rest on um text files and i don't need it really but um uh I'm, i'm in the habit of course, the thing about relying on Google's server-side stuff to remember things is that Google can just kill a product just like that, as we found in the past, Ted. Yeah, they're unlikely to kill um, Google Messages, but yes, they could kill um, um, RCS, or they could, yeah, they could change it, or they could they could do something with it. Yeah. Um, but then, but then you could say the same about SMS backup and restore. You know, that the API could suddenly be chopped by Google, and they can't do what they do anymore. There's no real yeah. way around it at the end of the day, is there? All you can do is have multiple backups of everything and just hope that, that you find a way through it over enough years that it that it makes sense. Yeah, pen that's... and paper and write everything down. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for people like us, we do want multiple backups because we know Google or Microsoft will quite happily take away something without a word of warning. So it's nice for us to have some multiple backups. But What I, what I do like about Google, though, Mike, is that, that they do tend to give you lots of warning, unlike some companies. Um, mm. They do say that this is going to be going away this time next year. You've got a year to sort it out, and then you can use Google Takeout or Takeaway, whatever it's called, um, and get all your data organized in time. 
they don't often, not Google, don't often just drop it up there and then. Yes, but wasn't there that Google sign-up free subscription with your mobile where you bought a mobile and you subscribed every month um, and they just cancelled that the month before you were supposed to get your next mobile? Oh, yeah, it was a two-year plan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, so, yes, you're right that they often give you lots of notice, but that was the one where they really oh, they screwed people over, didn't they? They well, sort of... Well, to be fair, they said that this was a two-year plan, and people that signed up for it knew it was a two-year plan. Anyway, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I'm just thinking, well, what I heard, and I'm not involved in that at all, was what I heard was that they got to sort of the 23rd month, and then Google cancelled the plan before they would have been able to renew, renew. their mobile. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> they obviously got a service out of it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suppose what it proves is, what you have is what you have and you shouldn't rely on something else being promised because with yeah. all these big companies, promises are made, but not necessarily count. We're back to DVDs and CDs. <laughs> In your notes, Mike, you've written an intriguing little mini headline, how to review a phone that is crap without saying it's crap. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, I know people like yourself, Steve, you'll tell it how it really is. And that's one of the reasons we love you and Ted is that you will say where the, the um, where the, there are problems, you'll actually say it. What I've noticed in particular with some of the YouTube reviewers, they are in the difficult position of being given a phone literally weeks ahead of the release. And then they'll be reviewing it and they'll have to prepare a review. And, then, and they'll know it's not really a good phone. But they have to say it's not a good phone in a way that avoids them losing their um, access to phones. So I've noticed with MKBHD Marcus Brownie and also with Michael Fisher that they both have various phrases and various ways of saying you might not want this phone. For instance, they might say something like, uh, let's say, screen brightness isn't particularly good, but it's fine for winter, for poor weather in the UK. That's a sort of classic <laughs> phrase, isn't it? Is that, yeah, because we don't have any sun in the UK, the serene brightness is fine. Now, when you hear that, you've got to understand what they're saying is that don't bother going out in the sun because you won't be able to read this phone. But they've phrased it in a way that is suitable to without saying uh, it's crap. Similarly, they might say that um, the performance is perfectly adequate, but you won't be playing such and such a game on it. And yeah. what they're saying there is that you don't buy it if you want a game on it. Uh, so there's, there are ways, and it's quite interesting to listen to a, um, a YouTuber and hear what they're not saying, if you like. It's when they use phraseology that means it's not as good as you'd like it to be. And that's quite interesting because it means that they're able to review a phone. They're able to say, here are the good points. And that they're also able to say, here are the, here are the not so good points. And if you listen carefully like we can, we can tell, oh, actually, what he's saying is don't bother. <laughs> yeah, I, I do try and, I know it's a formulaic approach to reviewing now, but you, you concentrate on the concept, you concentrate on the good points, you concentrate on some specific tests like camera, for example, and then the last third of the video, here are the bad points, here are the caveats, and that seems to be a pretty standard format, except the fact that because Ted and I haven't been we we get the few loan devices, but we don't get given phones by the by the dozen each year. That there's usually not very much pressure for us to pull any punches in terms of saying whether anything's good or bad. So hopefully, yes, as you say, we we tell the truth like it is. 
Yeah, I think it's, it, as I say, I make it now, I mean, I didn't used to do this, but I do now make it a sort of habit to listen to what the reviewer is not saying or what he's avoiding saying and see if there's something you can, a conclusion that can be drawn, which is not necessarily presented uh, right up front. So I think that's, um, it, it's basically, you know, these people have to do reviews and you know they need to stay on the good side of a, the telephone mobile companies, so they're sort of stuck sometimes with having to be nice about bad points. I was really interested and pleased at how the Pixel Fold worked out, Ted, because uh, by buying it myself, I mean, admittedly through PSC classifiers, but buying myself and owning it myself for about a month to two months, I was able to be brutally honest about every aspect of it because there was no PR company waiting in the wings. Um, and now, three or four months later, I'm able to borrow one from PR again to specifically to cover all the different updates. And those will appear in my various YouTube shorts. But I, at my initial batch of whatever it was, 10 review shorts, hopefully were unbiased in any way from a PR loan. I don't personally think that PR companies are looking particularly at what you and I are doing. Um, they're, they're much more likely to be looking at what Michael Fisher and and Mr. Brown, Mr. We're, Brownlee, are we're doing. under the radar. <laughs> we're the small fish, really. And um, and that, as you as you are intimating, is a good thing in many ways because they're not going to bother particularly with what the Motorola have been good to us, for example. And I did. Um, I got a Motorola Edge 30 Ultra from them last year, and I did a huge review on it, and then I did a follow up um, Clash of the Ultras review, and I was. Really, I did lots of work with that at the time, and they were completely fine with that. But I, I bet you that when we emailed them and told, gave them the links to our reviews, I bet you that nobody ever went and actually read it or looked at it. Yeah. I must admit, um, Steve and Ted, the strength of you guys is that you look at the long-term review, um, whereas we all know these guys have it for a week and then do a review. You're in there literally three months after the phone has been out, and you're using it for a few weeks, months, and you guys are going to give us uh, the longer-term look at a phone. And for me, that's quite useful because I'm looking to buy a phone that's at least a year year old. So I want to know how the improvements have gone in, how what software has been improved, and how the phone is lasting. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, yeah. What does 2024 hold for you then? What are you looking forward to tech-wise? I know you've just bought your next phone, but uh, what are you interested in looking at? I think that the Galaxy, sorry, the Samsung Galaxy Fold 6 will be interesting because, Z Fold 6, because they may change the format, the size and shape. Yeah. And if they do that, then that will be a real interesting phone because it will be up against the Pixel Fold and some of the other newer folds. Um, And obviously Samsung have the... um, shops if you like the experience in doing foldables that it should be fairly robust probably more robust than the um, google fold so that will be interesting but then of course if google bring out their next iterative of the fold that will also be really interesting as well so those are the two interesting phones because i would as a geek i would love to have a foldable phone but the price as we all know is a bit beyond a normal person's reach unless they've got a particular use case or a particular business case yeah. so um i it'd be nice to get a foldable in a couple of years time when the hardware is really robust yeah i know you're not a fan of my new youtube shorts format but i, did, I actually did a short this very day on don't buy 
these outrageously priced foldables at RRP, wait sort of three to six months and get them at half the price, which I think is just common sense. Yeah, and entirely. You know that a lot of people, that, let me rephrase that, some people are very keen to get it on day one or, or within a week, and that price is bound to come down. Um, so if you can wait six months, you're bound to get a much better deal, really. Yeah, I know you. There's more stuff in your notes. We may come back to it, Mike. But I also know that Ted and I have got some stuff to say. So, Ted, do you want to just introduce what you've been thinking about? And I know you're waiting for a particular device, but uh, what else do you want to get off your chest? Well, I got the um, Z Flip Four back this week from Steve Nutt, as he said he would um, send it over um, when he was on the show. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've kind of fallen back in love with the whole concept. Um, I'm waiting for the. Z Flip 5 to arrive. Richard um, Yates is sending that over. Unfortunately, there was a bit of a cock-up with the um, Royal Mail delivering it. Otherwise, it would have been here today. But um, it's going to arrive on Monday. Um, and that, of course, has got the bigger screen. Now, I've spoken before about the fact that the Motorola um, Razer 40 Ultra had that bigger screen on the outside, and I really wasn't impressed. Um, and I'm looking forward very much to seeing if the um, Flip 5's um, outside arrangement of software is much better than Motorola's was. And I think it will be. From what I've seen on YouTube videos and stuff, I think that it's going to be a cut above um, what Motorola have done. But I'll come back to that when it's arrived. For the mean, In the meantime, the Flip 4 is in front of me. And I know it's probably, probably another honeymoon period, but I really <laughs> like it, you know. I've... I, I love the fact that you can answer a phone call by opening it up and um, end a phone call by closing it down. And that, even though the screen on the outside is um, is small, I think that that is, you know, I, it's quite good to be a notification screen and, and stops you from being distracted from other things in many times. It's a great put it away phone or deal with it later phone. Yeah. Um, you know, like if I'm watching the telly, I, I, I'm less likely to get distracted by it um, and, and open it up and do what I need to do with it as I would with a with a, a an ordinary phone. It's very pocketable by design. Um, the laptop mode, uh, whatever it's called, is great fun. And, you know, if you want to put it in that um, kind of laptop mode to to have it sitting on a desk, for example, that's really good as well. Um the, the speaker's output, as Steve said last week, are not half bad either. Um, I, 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 I'm, I think I might be falling for it again, which is quite good timing with the Flip 5 coming in to see if it kind of, yeah. um, it, you know, which one I'll prefer, really. Um, but I, I've said for a long time on this show, Steve, as you know, that I do think, for me personally, the Flip folding phones, the smaller, you know, tall Flip phones are... are are much more for me than the folding yeah. folding phones are. So, um, yeah, I really like it. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? You, you just said that you'd be tempted as a geek to kind of try a folding phone. Would it would a flip phone suit, or would you want a proper opening up tablet kind of folding phone? Well, for me, Ted, I'd want the foldable, the opening up into a tablet version. But I can think of many people I know who would love the flip. Um, I can go, I'm just remembering back to when I, my wife had a Palm Pre, uh, and it was a tiny phone in a sort of pebble shape, and several friends said, oh, where did you get that? Can I have one? Because it was a tiny phone. It would flip open to show a keyboard if you need it. 
you could stow it away in your pocket very easily. And for several women, I'm not trying to be sexist, but certainly for several women, we knew that they love that sort of small form factor, easy to put away in a pocket, easy to pull out lots of information. And I can see that's where the flip is now is it's a lovely yeah. phone to to be able to just stow away when you're not using it and not have it distracting you. It's not it's not a great big thing in the side of your pocket. Are you pleased to see me? It's, yeah, it's yeah, nicely yeah. hidden away. So, and, and, yeah. and, you, and you get lots of the benefits of the Samsung Land kind of feast as well, the wall garden, if you like, as I've called it before. Um, okay, you get no decks, um, and the screen, when it's open, makes the phone a very tall phone, which would be better with a, a small candy bar like the Zen phone. Um, but when it's closed, you can do a lot with it. And presumably with the Flip 5, you can, well, I know that you can do a lot more with it when it's closed. So um, I, I, I quite like it. And looking back at my reviews um, when I when it was here before, um, I seem to be saying that the battery life was actually part, pretty good. It's quite decent, certainly compared to the Flip 3, which my mum is now using. Um, and, yeah, I'm re-enthused, Steve. Yeah, I think you're going to really love the Z Flip 5. I'm just looking at the um, specs difference, and we'll leave that in the show notes because we'll come to it in a lot more detail next week, of course. But, I mean, essentially, you've got a brighter screen. You've got upgraded chipsets. You've got an extra year of support. You've got USB at C3 rather than USB version 2, which I think will give you different experience when you plug mm. it into a yeah. display. And you, of course, get faster transfer if you're transferring music or something. I'm curious as the speakers. I love my phone speakers. And the three and the four, I reckon the three was slightly louder than the four, but it possibly depends on the genre of media I was consuming. I'm curious. Samsung love their speakers too. Maybe the five will be slightly louder, slightly higher quality. Yeah, and as I said just now, I mean, Steve said, uh, reminded me that the, the ones on the four are pretty good. Yeah. I can't imagine that they're going to make it worse in the next generation, but we'll see. Yeah, this will be what the... The new learning can be all about for next week, as you say. Yeah, but I say the big, the big, big thing is whether you use that bigger outside screen, whether you actually use it for things, or whether yeah. it's just a an inconveniently large version of the, the shutters away notifications that you use on the Z Flip Four. So maybe it'll be sure a, a nice halfway side, halfway house. And I'm enthused at watching you try it, and we'll go from there. We shall see. We shall see because um, I think that Motorola made a mess of that. And I'm looking forward very much to um, getting back to something of the same, with the same idea, but, but but better implemented. And who better than Samsung to do that? You do have a review um, you wanted to plug uh, from your blog. And in an effort to get you more than three readers, I cannot believe you only had three <laughs> views at the time oh, no. of broadcasting, Ted. But uh, what is it you've, and where can people find it? The last count was 21. Okay. You. You. Um I, I I decided to get um a pair of Soundcore um Anchor um an- what is it? Anchor by Soundcore or Soundcore by Anchor, um Aerofit Pro earphones. And I put a review up on my blog and also on in the Mewa group, which I linked to in the show notes, and they're really actually ever so nice. They're these kind of wrap around your ear type ones. Not they don't go into your ear canal like the ones that you know I don't like. They, but they've got this kind of, it looks almost like a hearing aid that sits around the back of your ear. And in that big clumpy thing around the back of your ear, there's a huge battery, which makes the battery life even better. Mm. Um, so the sound is really good. It doesn't sit right next to the entrance of your, 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 the opening of your ear canal. So Yes, you you can hear what's going on around you, but that's the that's the point. I think they're designed for joggers and people that 
that I'm not going to shake them off because they're wrapped around your ear. And I can report um, that I really enjoyed using them, and I think they're really nice. They sound great. The software that comes with them from Anchor, the, so- the sound core software, um, gives you lots of options to change the way in which the sound comes out. Um, and they've got this really clever thing called spatial spatial audio, I think it's called. And so if you're sitting in front of your TV or whatever and you've got this thing going and you're looking at your TV, um, you turn your head to the right to look at something across the room and the sound stays where it was, where the TV is coming from. And uh, this is probably old news to other people, but I've not really experienced it before like this. It works really well. You turn your head and the sound stays where it, where the TV is. Do you, you follow what I mean? I you mean, if you turn your head to the right, every the sound all moves to the left. Yes, it stays where it stays where the TV is or where the sound source is. So you turn your head to the right, and when you do, the sound is all coming into your left ear and very little into your right ear. You turn your head to the left, and vice versa. Yeah. All the sound it 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 gives you a perception of where the sound source is coming from. It's really clever, I think. Why, why would you be listening to TV with headphones on? Is this just, just to prevent the neighbours from playing? No, that was just an example. I okay. mean, it, right. could, it could be a computer screen or a tablet or whatever you're, whatever you're using to consume media. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just really good fun, I think. <laughs> I was saying, living with a family, I have to use my Bluetooth headphones frequently. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I live alone, thankfully, and so I don't have to be too concerned about that. Um, but also, what I was going to say was, I got a free speaker with a free a free Bluetooth speaker. These were 149 quid, um, but uh, you get a 50 quid um, speaker with them. Uh, Bluetooth. Uh, you were saying in the notes earlier, we didn't have time to touch on it, uh, Mike, but very briefly, Bluetooth is really hit and miss. I I do appreciate what it's good at, and it's really smart and clever. But it just it's so easy to get confused, and this is where you go back to the. 3.5 millimeter audio and, and 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 wiring things in you can't get confused with that it just works but when you start to dabble with bluetooth and what it can do as long as it doesn't lose your signal or or disconnect from the device or have trouble reconnecting once it's working it's just brilliant too yeah i mean i was um i've got some sound core i think s20 headphones which i've linked up to my tv and as i say i will use those in Q, the evenings q20 isn't it Q20, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yes, I use those for listening to the TV in the evenings. And the other day I thought, oh, I want to listen to the laptop. And I'm in the sitting room with the rest of the family. And I thought, I'll just link this these up to my laptop, laptop using Bluetooth. And, boy, could I do it? No, not at all. I spent about <laughs> 10 minutes trying to yeah. get these things in. And my wife and my daughter are looking at me because I'm making all these noises out of the laptop while they're trying to watch TV. <laughs> and eventually I just gave up and I used a headphone jack to connect yeah, it. Because yeah, yeah. it was just like, oh, it's so painful. If it worked, it would be great. But it doesn't work. So I'm just going to have to plug in a cable. Yeah. There was one thing that really annoyed me was when I um, take my earphones out of the case and put them on my head, immediately it started playing. And I went, eventually I found what the problem was that in Power Amp, the music yeah. player on my phone, there's a switch in there that says resume when you hit, when, when it comes back online. And I turned it off and since then it's been fine. But it's little I- things like that with Bluetooth. Yeah, <laughs> I had exactly the same problem because um, I plug in. <laughs> 
I plugged my phone into the PA system at the church and immediately started blasting out sound out of the PA system. And it was that switch which was set to turn on automatically. And you think, and I thought, like you, I thought, well, there must be a way of switching this off. Unfortunately, there is, but uh, it's most disconcerting. (laughs) I do think we've hijacked your device. I don't think we can do that on my car audio system, which is a Ford um, Sync system. So the, the result is that I've been, for example, listening to a bit of Hawkwind um, in my private mm-hmm. driving. And I, I then, the day later, day later, maybe two days later, I decide to give them a lift somewhere. So I, I, I start the car engine. Everything's nice and quiet. And about 15 seconds later, when the Bluetooth reconnects, it resumes the volume that I've been listening to podcasts <laughs> at, which is about nine out of ten. So they, my, my family are in the car and they're subject to five seconds of Hawkwind at full volume at nine out of ten. And they, what on earth is that rubbish or words to that effect? And it's simply because it's resuming something it thought I wanted yeah. to listen to at the volume it thought I wanted to listen to it at. And it got both wrong. Yeah, it's quite, yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you don't want to annoy the family because that makes life difficult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Talking of audio, and by the way, Ted, I, I, I'm glad you got a free Bluetooth speaker with those headphones because I, I know you're short on Bluetooth speakers. And you, you needed another one. <laughs> it is, yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> if you need a Bluetooth speaker, you know where to go, don't yeah. you? Talking of oh, audio, you, you're you're quite valid argument on phone speakers has always been that however good they are, they're utter pants compared to hooking up to real Bluetooth speakers. Even the I know we've been bashing Bluetooth, but even the the Willen, the little small one we've got, that's pretty decent yeah. on the blow. And mm. I'm still blown away by my 60 watt Tron Smart Mega Pro, which I'll put a link in the show notes because it's now down to only 70 quid on Amazon UK, which I reckon is a real bargain, as long as you don't have to lug it too far because it's quite uh, quite heavy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even my cheapest 25 pound Bluetooth speaker is oodles better than any phone. Um, even your iPhone, I'm sure. Not that I've heard it myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we want, though, is a really flat speaker, I reckon. A completely flat speaker that is as good as, say, the Willen, um, maybe the height and width of a phone, and you can slip it in your pocket. Maybe a millimetre or three thick, you know, not too big, but I fear that physics will prevent that until until some clever bod defies physics, I suppose. But the JBL um, Moto mod back in the day, that was, what, half a centimetre thick, and that was fabulous. Yeah, it was a bit thicker than that, because okay. it kind of bulbed out in the middle. But, yeah, it, that was a great idea. And I, I suspect yeah. physics will allow us to get there, Ted. I think um, we're not that far off, are we? With um, We do have flat speakers. We just need to tune them a bit better and make them a bit more convenient, don't we? Um, I, I don't know about small flat, sorry, I don't know about flat speakers of that kind of size mm. um, with that footprint. I, I, I get I get that you can have flat speakers look to put on a wall or whatever, but when it comes down to like something for your pocket, I don't know. Tell me if you, you tell me if there is one. Well, I don't I don't know if there is one yet, but I bet tech yeah. will move forward eventually. I mean, the yeah. last one I bought was a Marshall Emberton 2, and that's quite a beefy, chunky thing. So, um yeah. <laughs> Although it's very nice and very nice sound, as you say, it's far too big to sort of be pocketable. Um, I'm I'm completely with you, Ted. A a stereo speaker pair, each speaker, let's say each speaker is seven millimetres thick and the two clamp together magnetically in your pocket. Then when you arrive somewhere, you break them apart. They're both Bluetooth. They both talk to each other. You put them either side of your laptop or TV or whatever. And you've got decent quality stereo and music and media with your phone or tablet is the, the centerpiece i think there's a market for a product like that 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as long as the sound is as good as, for example, the Willen, then, I mean, yeah. we're not asking for miracles here. No, There's something no. half decent. Uh, and, and I think that there's, yes, I agree, there's a market. Anyway, where I was going with all this is, <laughs> however good phone are speakers... Gonna, are we going to let him go with it? Okay, <laughs> however good phone speakers are, they're not as good as real speakers. And the same is partly true, bear with me on this, for imaging. Maybe not for casual snapping, whether, you know, the, the compute power in the smartphone can pull out scene handling that standalone cameras can't match. But certainly we're looking at Zoom. This is topical. You've got the S23 Ultra, Ted, and the S24 Ultra is about to be announced. They can, in decent light, they can do a good job at a genuine 10 times optical zoom, but it's outperformed by even the most mid-range compact camera. And I mention this because I've been donated um, by a kind customer, a, an old Panasonic Lumix TZ65. It's not that old, a couple of years maybe. It's a compact camera with genuine 30 times optical zoom, and its results are just stunning. The usual use case for justifying 10 times zoom in a phone is wildlife at the end of the garden, a squirrel or a fox or something, or perhaps snapping your son in his football game across the pitch. And they're both good examples. But against my usual smartphone can do everything stance, I admit freely that being able to do 30 times optical zoom in all light conditions is so much better, even with the slight inconvenience of carrying an extra gadget with you and having to export the photos later. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you've arrived. As with speakers, it, it's as you say, what what you're prepared to carry around with you. Um, and for me, if I want to go and do photography, then I'm happy to take a camera with me and not rely on the, the phone. However, you know, it, it's what's in your pocket. And you're, if you're relying on uh, a, a Panasonic Lumix to be with you at all times, well, it's not going to be, is it? It's actually not that large, but my daughter did reject it, interestingly. I got it for her, or earmarked it for her, but she said even that was too big for her, and she went for a, a Canon Ixus, if I've got that right, which is a smaller, oh, yeah. smaller again. But uh, It's very small. Anyway. Well, I've had a lot of good experience with Canon Ixus. We've had um, several in the house, and uh, they've all been really nice cameras and, and pretty robust as well, so... Um, I think that's probably a good choice. Yeah, yeah. jolly good, jolly good. Um, I've no idea where this my standalone camera glass at the moment is coming on because I've, I've got a, a DSLR, the, the the Canon Ixus and the Panasonic, in addition to all my various phone cameras. But uh, and I think that maybe the camera glass is a kind of a young person thing, um, like last year's Instax trend, which is you know the the, the sort of Polaroid instant cameras mm. and instant um, uh, printouts. And the previous year we had um, a, a, a trend towards thirty five mil film and retro. But in fairness, really? Ted, my contention is young <laughs> people today, they didn't live through all the generations of cameras like we did. We've been through every format since 1970-something. They've yet to try out any of these options and then potentially reject it. So they've, they've basically got to go through what we'd, in three or four years, what we took three decades to go through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's funny how the trends kind of um, ebb and flow, isn't it? At least, what you can say is at least you can still buy them and so you've got a choice. I do think that eventually you won't be able to. One by one, cam camera manufacturers are going to be throwing in the towel. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Um, however, those who make Bluetooth speakers are not. So we can still have our flat speaker. Sorry, Mike, your, your turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah, it's interesting. I've got a 16-year-old daughter, and um, they've just been into cameras for quite a while in one way or another. And though she loves the um phone on the camera on her samsung phone because that takes very good photos she has a we bought her a nikon d3500 
second hand and uh, she loves that as well and in fact i've just been saying she wants to take that away on holiday with her and i'm saying that's much too big to take away with us and she's saying but she wants to take good pictures so young people are in all shapes and sizes some are still some are getting well into back into cameras definitely talking of imaging we have our photo of the week in our wonderful psc photos group there do you want to introduce it we do. Spotted in the MeWe um, PSC Photos group this week, Homebound by Chris Clayton, which he took using a Honor Magic Pro 5. Um, he says he's not sure where he took it. Um, he woke up on a plane and looked out the window, and it looked nice. It was somewhere cold, about two-thirds of the way between Singapore and Helsinki. <laughs> there was a lot of snow around. So, yeah, this is a, a picture out of the... the, the, the um, the, the window of, of a, an aircraft, um, but he's cropped it so that it's got, you know, it's a really good composition. I like what he's done with that. It's got lovely colours going on there, particularly with the deep blues of the, what probably was black sky, which looks blue, but is very, very nighttime and dark. Um, and also the 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 the, the, the um, contour of the land going on there as well. Um, it's not the sharpest shot, but then it's been taken out of a plane window. So I, I still think that that's a really nice image, and I, I think that that would um, be great on any person's uh, wall um, as much as any other kind of photograph. Mike, what do you think? Well, I love the shot, definitely. Um, I was sufficiently intrigued to have a little dig around. He's on a thin air flight from uh, Singapore to Helsinki, it's probably an A350 aircraft, judging by the shape of the wing. And it looks like he's flying into the sunset because you've got that sunlight shining onto the wing. So it is a really good shot when you consider he's probably flying about 350 miles an hour <laughs> and he's mm. shooting out through the... So when you consider the speed of the aircraft, it's a, it's pretty well in focus, although it's not at all in focus. It's a pretty good shot for that speed. And as you say, Ted, it's got some great colours graduating from that dark blue at the top right down mm. to the, the coastline illuminated. Yeah. Oh, you're sounding a bit like Sherlock there, uh, Mike. You got, you, you about, I thought you were about to give me the latitude and longitude it was taken and the aircraft number and the time of day, but um, very impressive detective work. Um, I love the fact that the, the you can't really see where the, the sky meets the water. Um, no, and you so can't, the, can the horizon is kind of blurred out by the speed and the air conditions. But, yeah, gorgeous colours, Ted, and it's a, a worthy winner. Indeed. Um, so yes, keep them coming, everyone. We shall soon. What date is it? The sixth of January. We shall soon be doing our December, the last one of the year, photo of the month, and then we'll be able to run the photo of the year competition. So uh, watch out for that. There ought to be someone looking at that photo, actually, who lives near that area and recognises the the outline of the coast and the the the, the lights and the river. So we, we, maybe we will find out. I confess that I looked up the flight plan from Singapore to to Helsinki to see if I could spot where it was. It crosses over a couple of lakes. Well, I guess it's one of those lakes in the last part of the journey, but I couldn't make it out. <laughs> so I did look. <laughs> but I think it's a great shot for one that yeah. will remind you of where you were, where you were coming back, and um, it has that atmosphere to it. Yeah, I love anything yeah. with deep blacks and deep blues, and especially with the... the the, the red reflections on the on the wing tail, the winglet, as it were here. Very nice indeed. Uh, also on me, we is our wonderful PSC Classifieds group, and you found six picks for us this week, Ted. I have. I'll rattle through these. The iPhone 15 Pro, 128 gigabytes in blue, titanium, 750 quid. There's a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 4 
mic, 128 gigabytes in um, rose gold pink uh, immaculate, 290 quid. There's an um, Pixel 8 Pro, 128 gigabytes in blue, 575. There's a Pixel 6 Pro, good condition, no marks, 256 gigabytes, 225 quid. There's a Nothing Phone 1, 128 gigabytes, 8 gigabytes, and that's in black, 210. There's also a um, OnePlus Open in emerald dusk, 512 gigabytes, 950 quid. So... Not many folding options for you there, Mike. What do you fancy, though, with someone else's money? Well, no question I'd go for the OnePlus Open because um, I'd love to ex- have a sort of hands-on and yeah. just run a foldable in real life for a couple of weeks just to see whether it's a practical proposition. Because, of course, you... Nine, sorry, um, do you think 950 was, you know, um, it, that seems like the right price now. Steve spoke about that yeah. kind of being the right territory recently. Yeah, I agree. I think you've got to be looking under a thousand pounds because they are still in the, I can say, experimental stage. They aren't fully qualified for real life. So, you know, you're going to have to take a lot of care with it. So you don't want to, yeah, as, whatever money you spend, you have to be aware that it may go, <laughs> it may go down the pan. Yeah. Yeah. I think my pick would be the, um, the flip. I know it's a 128 gigabyte version, um, but you know it's it's a lovely little phone. And 290 quid, they started at a thousand quid, didn't they? And it's not that long ago. I'm still quite happy with my Flip Four here. Um, And yeah, okay, I've got a Flip Five coming, but the Flip Four is perfectly good. And 290 quid, I think that's the bargain of the week there for someone to snap up. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you, Ted, because. um somebody buying a flip phone is not going to be desperate to have a lot of memory. So although it's only no. 128 gig, they're probably not even interested in the fact that it's only yeah. got 128 yeah. gig. They just want a phone that does a lot of phone stuff and probably store most of their stuff in the cloud. Indeed. Yeah, there's six jolly good picks there, Ted, I have to say. They're all pretty good bar- bargains. The OnePlus Open is interesting because although I've um, expressed some doubts about the hinge mechanism and the way the screen is forced flat on that device... You cannot argue with the specifications. The cameras are superb on it. The speakers apparently are superb. There's an awful lot to like. And yet, £950, that would probably be my pick as well. Mm. Very good. Indeed. Well, there we go then. The PSC Classifiers Group is in MeWe. Um, We only let people into that that we know and trust. If you want to join, you'll have to email me. So your first test is to find out my email address, and then we'll, we'll talk to you about that. <laughs> jolly good, jolly good. Um, so can people find you, Mike, anywhere online apart from MeWe? Anything you want to plug? No, I just generally stick to MeWe. I mean, I am on Facebook, but I don't monitor it at all. Uh, I just talk to a few yeah. friends. Yeah, I just dip into Facebook once a, once a month or twice a month just to see what people are up to, and then that's it, and it, I, I drop it like a hot cake. And that's not even via the app. I do not trust the Facebook app. I just go to m.facebook.com or wherever yeah mm. ted where can people find you they can find me at tedsalmon.com um that's where i hang out that's where all the links are that i have um which are also at PodHub uk if you find that online as well on steve's website so all the audio podcasts all the um, mewe groups as well um links to everything tedsalmon.com and if you want to buy me a coffee you can do that as a paypal.me forward slash tedsalmon 
Jolly good. And thank you to everyone for the various Christmas beers and coffees to both of us. All much appreciated. Yay. I think we should invent a few more reasons and holidays, Ted. How about some, some February cheers or some, <laughs> some Valentine's beers and then we can yeah. progress through the uh, holiday by holiday. <laughs> so th- thank you very much for coming on. A cheery goodbye from my two co-hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye. And you can find show notes, links to stuff we've chatted about, and more at stevelitchfield.com. Don't forget the tea in Litchfield. I'm also on Twitter at Steve Litchfield. And the wonderful me, where you've been listening to Own Show Chats. <laughs>